0: Hey, check it out. This is Fearless 5 Podcast, Season 2, Episode 11. Uh, You may have noticed that I I think I caught up all the show notes for a past podcast. I probably i probably missed some but i did post a bunch of blog posts over the weekend so i got a little bit of coffee left in the mug and we're gonna do this snow show intro and outro um the website is destinyarchitecture.com you can email me at destinyarchitecture at com, and and yeah that's that's all you need right now <laughs> because <clears throat> oh god the allergies are getting a little bit better but it's still rough but um Today, no intro and outro, and it's going to be a really long Fearless 5 podcast. Maybe it's going to be a Fearless 50. I don't know. I'm running out of time, though. I've got to get ready for work, so I guess it can't be that long. But it's time to talk about mental health. And, um, yeah, I want to start by saying that I'm not a licensed mental health care professional. This podcast is not a replacement for any mental health or medical treatment. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger of harming themselves or others or yourself, please call 911. So since this is the Fearless Five we're going to talk about the things that people are afraid to talk about, like suicide and addiction. It's come to my attention today, and I'm going to be overly general here. Sorry, but my community is having a mental health crisis. Um, this, at the same time, cases of COVID-19 in Kansas are also surging. So we didn't know what to expect. For example, in the past, I've in the past I've reported on suicide rates. Maybe two years ago. Anyway, research shows suicide rates rise. Five years after a casino goes into a community, for example, we saw that here in Wichita, but there's no historical reference I'm aware of for what we're currently going through. At least I haven't seen what suicide rates were in 1918 and 1919, the time of the quote unquote Spanish flu. So I'm interested in that and maybe it will come up in a book I'm reading, The Pandemic 1918. Um, yes, I read multiple books at once, um, but back then we were at war, suicide was even more taboo than That wasn't a generation that had feelings. That was the, I'll give you something to cry about kind of generation. So no, not healthy at all to begin with. So let's rip off the cloak of taboo and talk about a scary thing, mental health. Got some experience in it. I'm a recovered addict who worked as a parasocial worker in the addiction field for four and a half years. Note that I reject the modern recovery language. I am recovered, not recovering. Um, I'm not endlessly recovering. At some point, we've got to move on. Um, I do not see myself as constantly in danger of using again, like some kind of drug pushing gargoyle is always posed above me. You know, like I (laughs) like to call myself a retired addict because I don't do that stuff anymore. It's been years, years. Um, But I remember very well at the times that I drank myself past my body's breaking point and found myself alone and, you know, quote unquote, drunkicidal in my bathroom, not legitimately ready to take my life, but more just okay with the fact that I may not wake up again after what I'd done. I was tired of life. I was tired of addiction and just being the burden. Um, I remember my feeble baby talk, you know, to God back then being just take me. Um, I'd say that over and over again. Um, God never did take me. So in my early years of recovery, my brain pretty much bottomed out. I needed to be on an antidepressant. I was told that I'd need to be on it forever, but something happened last year. My meds had me up way too high. I'd become this wild insomniac. Uh, I'd, I'd not sleep all night, and then I'd get to sleep late and oversleep for work. I was almost manic. I had to get off the meds about a year ago. It was horrible. It worked out. (laughs) It was like, I hate to sum it up so casually, but I managed to titrate down and withdraw from my SSRI even as life became more difficult money-wise. My cat died, and there I was withdrawing off of Trentelix, but... By then I had more tools in the toolbox, so I had an ironclad support system, a gym membership, a plan to get out of my situation, which gave me hope. That plan failed, by the way. (laughs) 2019 was horrific, Um, but the fact that I had a plan and I thought I was going to get out of the situation helped. Um, but instead I, it failed. I faced eviction for eleven out of twelve months. I was on food stamps, receiving a whopping ninety five dollars on my EBT card monthly by the end of the year. I had been sick. I have an autoimmune disease. My immune system was shot, so I had made the difficult decision to leave my social working job and you know and leave my homeless clients behind. Uh, my immune system could no longer take it i couldn 't just be i, I couldn 't be around the uh, indigent community. Um, and, and, and stay well, basically. So then I got this new job and my new job didn't pan out and I was still trying to get well and rebuild my immune system, which so far seems to be holding up. Um, I need, considering I'm going out in the world every day, um, five days a week. Um, I needed social services last year and, and I needed help from friends to survive. I was spending my free time, quote unquote free time, waiting around at the Salvation Army and Center of Hope. Um, Those places, those social services, social safety net, if you will, charities, they would help me keep a roof over my head and keep the lights on. I knew those services were available due to my social work and addiction field background. So there I was. And I'm telling you this because I hope it gives you hope because I'm someone who's been there My life has been a major struggle on a day-to-day level many, many times. You know, there's seasons in life, um, the death of my mother... And my struggle with depression, then, and addiction, and relationships—you know—that was one rough time. Years of addiction and recovery, um, joblessness, and mostly being underemployed over the years. Like it took me twelve years to complete college because life, you know. After the crash of of two thousand eight, I ended up furloughed for five months, making half my normal salary in Phoenix, which wasn't a very big salary, and Phoenix is an expensive place, so. I've been there, I've survived, it's not easy I'm not going to lie and tell you Hey, if I can do it, you can do it Because dude, this shit is hard You know. But here we are in the pandemic In 2020 I have no idea what to tell you to do now Other than call 211 locally You know, the United Way, 211 As their knowledge is current, mine is no longer current. Um, I mean, I quit social work last summer. So social services, anyway, overtaxed, like unemployment. People told me they can't get through to DCF to apply for food stamps. One friend being mailed a form to mail back. Like, how long is that going to take and why are they doing it that way? That makes no sense. But I never imagined in my life I would see so many people need all of the same kind of help all at the same time. And I know the state is trying and failing to keep up. I mean, God, we had, like, what, COBOL programming language running the unemployment system? Like, stupid. Um, that's as old as me. I'm <laughs> just saying, that's pretty old, man. I mean, I'm 40. So, you know, also I'm aware of there being no true end date to this. I'm aware of things that we we normally tell people to do are impossible. Hang on, I'm going to have a little more coffee here. I'm almost out of coffee. Um, For now, Anyway. I don't even know if people are going to be able to keep their phones and internet on to get in touch with other people. You know, how's that even going? Um, maybe that's something I need to look into for a story, but you know, finally let's get to it. The ugly thing you got to live. That's, that's not the argument. I hope if it is, you need to make a call right now. Um, locally 316-660-7000. That's ComCare. Call now. Um, if, if you're, you know, wondering if you should live or not. Um, and if you're, you're outside this listening area, please call, um, just get off the podcast right now. Call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's a national suicide hotline. You know, please don't hurt yourself. It can be so hard to pick up that phone and ask for help. I know mutual aid meetings aren't meeting in person, and that can be a lifeline, whether it's a mental health or, you know, addiction support meeting. That common, the common lifeline systems like those are kind of down till further notice. Like, you've got you to get on intherooms.com is one resource, or regular meetings you would go to um, would be um, via Zoom now. So ComCare again, 660-7000, and the National Suicide Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. So this is serious right now. Um, I know some people aren't taking it serious. and will ignore that they exist because um, they're ignoring that the crisis exists. So this is serious. Life is more than a little heavy right now. My moods and emotions, ever-changing. Um, there are days where exercise is the answer for me. There are days when I just need to rest or I just need to make a podcast and create and feel like I'm creative. Um, there are, you know, I, I've decided since this weekend for my own mental health, I will keep my phone on Do Not Disturb right now when I'm not at work. (laughs) I've set a limit of 30 minutes a day for social media through my iPhone screen time setting, which was pretty easy to blow past already today, I'll be honest. But it did help me realize I'm spending way too much time checking Facebook and Twitter. I've taken to calling it doom scrolling rather than checking, by the way. I spend too much time texting friends or talking on the phone without really accomplishing anything that actually helps me. It might stress me out and make me more anxious because um, I can't solve everybody's problems right now and everybody's got problems. So while support is nice, having the phone constantly in my hand is preventing me from living what little of life I can live right now. You know, my essential worker hours are long and stressful. It's tiring. Outside of work, I'm doubling down on self-care. I'm eating right. I'm I'm getting, I kid you not, seven to ten hours of sleep each night. Gentle pilates and yoga. I'm not pushing too hard. Good nutrition, some kind of routine. But honestly, after five days of going out in the world right now, I don't want to get out of my soft pants on the weekends. I don't. I don't want to talk to people. And I'm being really honest, but this is normal for me and healthy, and I know that, though. Some people actually do recharge from going out and being around people. I am not one of them. But this is knowledge of self that I have after years of sobriety, therapy, and work on myself. And if you're one of those who do, you, if you recharge by being amongst friends and loved ones, this can be a challenging time. If you're like me though and you recharge by doing introvert stuff, you know, alone at home, you're a little bit better off, maybe. <laughs> Everybody's like, don't isolate. You know, those are the conventional things that we say in mental health and addiction recoveries. Don't isolate, but look at us. We're all isolated right now. So and and I'm further isolating because I'm just tired of hearing people shit right now. I'm gonna be really honest. But if you're struggling, because this does, what I'm doing it might not work for you, so if you're struggling, reach out to somebody. Every problem can be solved. Um, there is a story that I always would tell my clients when they were feeling hopeless about the Golden Gate Bridge. Because uh, that's, that's where I'm from. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. And you know anybody who ever jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge to try and take their life, who actually didn't die, who would, who would live... They somebody did a study on all these people and interviewed them all. The the people who tried to die and didn't, and they said, you know, what 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 did you learn? I think from this experience, you know, you tried to you tried to take your own life. Um, and every single person said, as soon as I jumped off the bridge, and I was on my way down, I realized that all my problems actually were solvable, and that it wasn't my time. You know, and and they survived somehow. Like, uh, and that was a common thread. You know, every problem can be solved. Um, It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to (laughs) like, this is what I've learned, it doesn't mean you're going to like the way that you solve problems. It doesn't mean that that what you do to solve them isn't going to be painful and that you're not going to have to swallow your pride and it's not going to have to be awkward and it's not going to have to be embarrassing. But you can start um, by trying to solve problems. Oh, God, I, it is so hard for me to talk right now. My allergies are so bad. I can't get an inhaler. Um, well, I should say I, I've chosen not to get an inhaler um, because normally I would get one by now or get a breathing treatment uh, for my allergies. <laughs> but um, I just don't want to um, go to a pharmacy. I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Um, if my allergies keep going on much longer, I'm probably going to have to find a way to like telemedicine order inhaler but you know point is quick relief isn't there like it normally is because i don't want to risk exposure um, by going to a doctor's office or a pharmacy so, uh, back to prob- problem solving. Um, as I tell you about another problem I'm trying to solve, um, start by calling 211 or your local United Way. If you're feeling hopeless over lack of money or food, call the mental health hotlines, call the suicide hotline. Like, there's a number. There's a number you can call or text. Call a trusted friend or family member, but you got to reach out for help. Suffering in silence. It doesn't save your life. And by the way, I should, I should say that I'm not a person who has asthma or needs a rescue inhaler. This is, just, this is just during allergy season. Like, I'll be fine. But anyway, I am 16 years into dealing positively with my mental health and nearly seven years sober from alcohol. After all this time, I know what does and does not work for me. I know when I need to get help. I know my warning signs. And they can be as innocuous as reaching for peanut butter M&Ms too often. You know, I swear that's a serotonin thing with food cravings or, you know, craving a cigarette. It's been almost two years since I quit smoking. Um, So yeah, I mean, those if I'm craving something I shouldn't have, you know, and, and amounts that I shouldn't have it, Um, or, you know, my mood's changed. Yeah, that's the warning signs. I know what they are. I know when I need to reach out to others. And I know like right now I've reached out too much and I become too enmeshed with relationships. I know when it's time to get some sun or just get some sleep. Like there's a difference like to every time there's a season, you know, this comes from years, years of trial and error though. So if you aren't there yet, if you're not where I'm at, if you're new to sobriety, or you're new to working on your mental health, do reach out right now. You don't need to listen to this podcast as much as you need to reach out for help. So, you know, stop, goodbye, go do something. Um, but if you're still here, um, with the absence of, of what I would normally tell people to do, mostly unavailable, um, what is left, what we can control is what is left. So for me, obviously that's, I've mentioned it, I've blogged about it yesterday, but, for me, it's limiting phone use. You know, I can control how much I use a stupid phone in my hand right now, which, by the way, since I'm recording the podcast on my phone because I'm lazy, um, this counts as screen time. <laughs> I didn't realize that because I was like, oh, my God, I have so much, so much screen time. And, how, and it's like, well, you use the Anchor podcast app like a lot. So because I'm on it literally recording, this counts as screen time. So I can control also what I eat. Um, and getting proper nutrition. I can control sleep and exercise. I can meditate to de-stress and deal with my anxiety. I can listen to music or take a nap. I can escape into a book. I can pray. I can attend church online, which honestly in itself is kind of sad because it reminds me that I can't see people, but it does make me feel like I'm part of something as our church attends online together. You probably can't hear this in the background, but it's distracting to me. But it's noon on Monday, and they're testing the tornado sirens. Uh, Spoiler alert, they work. (laughs) So, you know, I can let friends know that I need space right now, and I have. Um, One friend and I keep sending a thumbs-up emoji back and forth rather than write words just to let one another know that we're okay. Um, It's that simple. I also realized that I was spending up to two hours a day texting like 300 phone pickups a day. Oh yeah, the Apple iPhone screen time app. It logs all of that and it's like way too much. So the idea for me has always been to realize when I'm getting addicted or when I'm having behavioral relapses um, and I see a phone addiction is happening. <laughs> is it, it, It's that thing where I'm getting my sense of, how do I phrase this? Is, is, is the phone... The constant checking of the phone, is that where I'm getting my sense of being okay from? Like I look at the phone and the world's not imploding. Like, I don't know. Why am I so glued to this thing? There's also a Larabar addiction right now. <laughs> they are so good and I can't really have real baked goods. And that's always trouble uh, with my autoimmune issues. So, you know, there's a music addiction right now, which is a good habit. So I've got to distinguish the good from the bad. Music does make me feel better. But knowing that I can relapse into unhealthy behaviors, I have to be my own watchdog. You know, I got to keep certain people who are toxic out of my life. Um, seeing frictions, friction in my relationships is where I have to ask myself if I need to take a step back, and I do. I may be interacting with friends way too much. And everyone is stressed, and we're all going to fight. You know, coworkers too. You know, we all may be ready to fight some nights. <laughs> Social distancing and all? You know, the few of us who are regularly together, we're wearing masks. Everyone's paranoid. I think um, we may be a little tired of each other too. <laughs> we may be tired of the situation. And I don't know what my coworkers are dealing with in their real lives. You know, we might be stressed by the routine of it all. It's boring. You know, people can't engage in their hobbies. We can't go to the gym. Uh, last week was the week that I saw a change in all of the people that I'm with five days a week. Like two weeks without going to the gym is fine. It feels like a vacation. But, you know, now this keeps going. You know, last week we all got quiet. We were all in bad moods. <laughs> and we are the, the quote unquote lucky ones who we are well and we get to work and leave the house. And if my toughest decision is, yeah, I'm going to forego an inhaler this year also because inhalers are steroids and that's that's an immune suppressant and, and I probably shouldn't be doing that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot right now. Um, no matter who you are and what the struggle is, there's always help. And I, I've, I've found over the years that this is a turning point, you know, like you have to remind someone who's struggling. And if that's you, I'm going to remind you right now, there's always help. There's always a way to regain some control of your life you know, there may not be a way to feel better. You know, feeling better, trust me, it's a myth. It led me to years of addiction. You do not have to feel better. Your feelings are not facts. I always thought that I had to feel better. I don't. I didn't, and you don't. You don't have to feel better. It's okay to feel shitty. Um, who doesn't feel shitty right now for some reason? What you do have to do, though, is come up with a plan, and a purpose, something to keep you hanging on until it gets better, because it does get better. You know, I'm using myself as an example. I went from nearly homeless and rationing what little food I had last year, not knowing how or when it would end to where I'm at now, which is, you know, I'm in a nice and safe home, I have a good job, I'm still working. I'm still well. Allergies are bad, but this is April every year, no matter where I've lived. I have this podcast. I've got my website and my blog. It's a creative outlet. I don't have to ration food anymore. I'm off food stamps. Um, those stopped in February, you know, when I'm still trying to get on my feet, work a job and get somewhere safe to live, you know. And, and, and to be fearlessly honest, I wouldn't have probably told you all this. Were there not a pandemic right now? And, and would this maybe not benefit somebody else right now who's struggling out of the blue um, without thinking you'd ever be there? You know, many of you, you never thought you'd be anywhere I ever was. You know, uh, struggling with housing or food or struggling with addiction or struggling with do I live or die? You know, many of you right now are in some low place that I once was that you thought you were so privileged as to never have to be. You know, a lot of, a lot of people out there thought they were a lot better than a lot of people, but the truth is nobody is. So I'm going to tell you to hang on, you know, please don't give up. It does get better. You know, it does it, the only way it doesn't get better is if you die, if you die right now with everything shitty and, and in the struggle, that's the way it doesn't get better. The way for it to get better is to just keep hanging on. Even if it's by a ratty thread, you're hanging on. You know, my faith got me through last year. And that, that faith grew deeper. And that's another story in itself. But sure... I was scared and I was hopeless most days. Things didn't change or develop as fast as I wanted them to in order to pay that rent monthly. And the late fees were piling up and my landlord was horrible Uh, on top of it all. Half of September 2019, I couldn't even sleep in my own home, nor did I feel safe there. I had people hanging out on my patio, neighbors keeping me awake, random people outside my window. It had gone on all summer. Um, I was getting no sleep. While trying to job search, you know, late into the fall, it was horrible. I was angry, but my faith grew. You know, I got some some people out of my life who'd been there too long. My perspective changed. I was eventually able to move on and get out of that space. Friends literally fed me, brought me groceries. My trans friends, one one of whom had lived in a tent at their lowest, promised me the same thing would never happen to me. I'd always have a place to live. You know, trans folks get it. What group could possibly be more persecuted in society? So before I close out today, a really long podcast, because, yeah, it's the Fearless Five, but I can't talk about mental health and addiction and sobriety and suicide in in a five-minute podcast. That would just be intensely cheap. So let's fearlessly talk about harm reduction now. And I'm not going to lie. You know, I was really angry last year, really atheist at one point, (laughs) really mad at God. You know, can you hit the turning point without getting to that point? I don't know. I've been there many times in my life. And before I went back to, you know, being on SSRIs, aka antidepressants in 2015, my depression was so bad at just two years sober. I wanted to use again. And I didn't. I bought cigarettes instead because (laughs) it was harm reduction, believe it or not. And I've always been a believer and harm reduction, needle exchanges, safe injection sites, all of that, especially now. As we're seeing a rise in struggle, it is is my hope that you don't use and that you don't self-harm right now, but if self-harm is better than killing yourself, you know, it's harm reduction right now. Maybe Someone who doesn't see herself as addicted will curb her mommy wine time a little. I hate the mommy wine culture because I think I was there at some point, probably 2008, 2009, for real. And I'm not telling you to harm yourself. I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to use anything. Um, But I understand being there. And I understand choosing a lesser uh, thing. (laughs) You know, I understand. I don't know how to put it. Um... You know, and again, I'm not a professional giving medical advice or mental health advice, but sometimes you choose the lesser of two evils, and I've I've done it, um, and it's still dangerous. Um, that's why I don't recommend it. But maybe someone who you know, addiction comes. I'll put it this way: addiction comes in all shapes and sizes, and so does mental health. And it's my hope that if you listen to this podcast today, you will find a way no matter how small, to better your mental health before the sun sets today. So whatever you do to help yourself, that will make you fearless today. And I love you for it.